I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Tossed Popcorn is a production of iHeartRadio. Hi, I'm Sienna Jekyll. And I'm Liana Holston. And welcome to Tossed Popcorn, the podcast where two idiots watch every film on the AFI's 100 Greatest American Movies of All Time, the very slightly less racist 10th Anniversary Edition. This podcast is a safe bowl for people who don't know anything about movies. Today, we're watching The Grapes of Wrath. I ain't going to California! (laughs) Number 23 on the AFI list. Warning, there will be spoilers about this dusty, dusty film. So dusty. Right off the top, if you love us, please subscribe Mm -hmm. and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. It makes a huge difference. We really, really appreciate it. Even if you just like us as a friend, please rate us five stars. Just any positive feelings, even a, you know, friendly acquaintance, mm-hmm. we'll take it. Mm-hmm. Also, if you like our show, then you should also follow us on social media. We're at Toss Popcorn on Twitter, on Instagram. We post memes every Saturday. They're good. They are good content. It's what we were built to do. We're also on TikTok, Clash. Give us a follow, you cowards. And now we have merchandise. Oh my God, we... <gasps> We have merchandise, which you can find at Tee Public, and you can find the link for that in the bios of our social media. Yeah, so once you follow, it'll be really easy to just yunk. Sienna. <laughs> so, Liana, did you know anything about The Grapes of Wrath? No. Have you read it? Okay, so this is like the worst possible scenario in that I, I, I took a class on Steinbeck. <laughs> 
But it was like my senior spring. Oh, in college? Yeah. There's no, no, you didn't retain that. I was deteriorating yeah. as a human being. Oh, you were not well I by was, that point. My senior year. Historically. Hoy boy. Hoy boy. Hoy boy. This entire experience was shrouded in the terror I felt every time I would walk into a discussion mm-hmm. section about any Steinbeck book. And I realized, I'm like, I think we definitely read this book, but I did not do it enough. Yeah. So there'd just be moments where I was like, oh, I remember needing to say that in a discussion section so that I oh. could pass the class. And Damn. Oh, my gosh. So it it did feel new to me mm. besides a few things, a few key moments. And I didn't know it was a book. <laughs> the Stanford grads with the smoothest brains. Smoothest brains in history. I also have maybe the most embarrassing prediction that I've brought. Oh, let's get into it. Okay, now it is time for our predictions where we pre-record what we think the film is going to be about before we watch it. <laughs> Sienna, this is so exciting. Oh, especially given that you took a class on Steinbeck. This is going to be I, I, very I, silly. I... It's been so hard for me not to talk to you about this all day. Okay, Sienna, I have yours pulled up. Okay. <laughs> oh, I love that it says, Sienna's prediction, Grapes of Wrath, brownie face. Hi, Liana. <laughs> it's Sienna. I'm about to watch The Grapes of Wrath. Believe it or not, this is one of the few books in the world in the that world. I have read. I know it's John Steinbeck, oh. American Studies. Thank you. Uh, sure. Thank you. I recall that there is a brothel. What? And a, maybe her name is Catherine, oh. some kind of scary prostitute. She kills people. Yeah. And a man named Lee. There's another man in it, I think. I thought it was like gold rush times. Yeah, you know, that's what I think. I do think that. That's, that's all I got. That's all she wrote. It's none of what he wrote. My prediction is that it's going to be a really boring time. I'll be pretty surprised if it's not. So I'll see you on the other side. Bye bye. I love you. So, oh, Sienna, have you ever heard of the book East of Eden? (laughs) You were way East of Eden on this one. Is that a Steinbeck book? Yes, it is John Steinbeck. And Liana, I came in so confident. So what did you think the grapes were in the brothel? Just two boobs? The boobs of wrath. (laughs) You know how we call our boobs grapes? Oh, my grapes. In private company. <laughs> That's what women call them. To, to let the grapes down after a long day. <laughs> All right, Liana, let's listen to yours. Good morning, Sienna. It's Liana. I'm about to watch The Grapes of Wrath. Angry, angry grapes. <laughs> I don't know anything about this movie. I, I think when, I genuinely believe this, when in high school we were learning about the Dust Bowl, I think somebody was like, The Grapes of Wrath is a film. And we were like, all right. So, hey, fingers crossed I get to talk about the Dust Bowl again. I, I bet it's about farmers, boys, farming. That's probably it. Love you. Bye. Okay. That was amazing. <laughs> so Liana, who'd never, who didn't know it was a book... <laughs> Figured out the whole plot of this movie, where I, who have taken several Steinbeck classes, an American studies major, he is like one of the American authors that they make you know about. And I read both books, got it completely wrong. Oh my God. 
This is where having an approximate knowledge of a lot of stuff comes in handy. Well, Sienna, did you also do a summary of East of Eden as well? <laughs> no, because the summary I fortunately write afterward. Okay. <laughs> a summary of The Grapes of Wrath. <laughs> Tom Joad returns from jail to find his family dust bold. <laughs> <laughs> That's the film. (laughs) That's, I mean, that's it. The Jodes, like many other tenant farmers in Oklahoma, known as Okies, during the Great Depression, are driven off of their farm by climate issues, other bad luck, and corporate America. Then they go on a depressing road trip to find work, and a a handful of them die. (laughs) The end. Honestly, yeah. (laughs) Like, it may as well be... Whatever. That's about the most of it. Um, Anything to fill in. Tom keeps doing murder. He just can't help but do murder. (laughs) That is why he went to jail in the first place. And he's on parole. So the stakes the whole time are like, don't do murder, Tom, because you already did one and you'd have to go back if you do another. (laughs) Liana, do you have some historical context to share with us about this film about the Dust Bowl? Mm -hmm. The Grapes of Wrath. The 1939 novel turned 1940 film. The novel was written by John Steinbeck, as we know, and Steinbeck was born and raised in the Salinas Valley, which is in California and is where, oh, she's nodding. Oh, you know Steinbeck stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. So he's obsessed with California. Oh, terrific. Stanford. Stanford man. Did he go there? Yeah. (laughs) I'm learning so much in my own segment. Born and raised in the Salinas Valley, which is where many of these farmers moved during the migration from the Dust Bowl area to California. He saw firsthand a lot of these farmers and their lives. He wrote the book in longhand, and then it was typed up by his wife, Carol. And she also is the person who recommended the title of the book. So a lot of shouts out to Carol in this episode. Way to go, Carol. The Grapes of Wrath itself, it is from the 1861 Civil War anthem, Battle Hymn of the Republic, which sounds like a Star Wars song. And that song was written by abolitionist Julia Ward Howe. Okay, women. Okay, women. Tearing it up. Wow. Here's the first verse of that song. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He has loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Now, I don't really know what that means. So yeah. I googled what is grapes of wrath. And the Webster Dictionary Uh defines, quote, grapes of wrath as an unjust or oppressive situation, action, or policy that may inflame desire for vengeance, an explosive condition. Okay, Carol, bringing it home with that one. That's (laughs) a great name. Carol. Carol fucking nailed it. John, who cares? This story takes place during the Dust Bowl. Oh, her eyes are glistening. I don't know what it is about me that I love the Dust Bowl and World War One, but I'm just like, yes, <laughs> all the things that caused that, all the all the results of oh, that, the causes of the Dust Bowl. You say, yes. <clears throat> In 1929, <gasps> the stock market famously crashed. It had an absolute flop day in October. <laughs> we literally don't have time to talk more about the Great Depression. We have to move on to the Dust Bowl which was comprised of relentless dust storms that could last days. And they took place across the Great Plains of America. It was a very pivotal time. It is very remembered in the American conscience. The National Geographic describes the Dust Bowl as, quote, both a human and an environmental disaster. Oh, my 
<laughs> I love the concept of a human disaster. I think that's such a funny series of words. The reason that the Dust Bowl happened, farmers moved to the Great Plains and started farming different things. So do, in doing that, they uprooted the native grasses that were planted because those grasses had longer, deeper root structure. When you pulled them up, you exposed the, quote, virgin topsoil root to the elements. In uprooting these like deeper roots, you just really fuck up the ground and it becomes loose. There also were alternating droughts and floods in the mid-30s. So in 1934, there was a terrible drought. In 1935, there was a freakish storm and flood. 1936, horrible drought. 1937, another freak storm and flood, which meant that the crops failed years in a row. So people were falling on hard times. The crops were failing because of environmental conditions. And the soil was totally fucked up because people were A, over farming it and B, just like doing it wrong. Now, on to tenant farmers in Oklahoma specifically. I was very curious about this because I, even when we, I was reading it and wasn't paying attention in class in yeah. the past, I remember the term Okies. Yes. That term was sort of a derogatory term mm -hmm. in the past for tenant farmers from the entire Great Plains region. So it included people from Arkansas, people from Oklahoma, people from other states okay. in the region. But they used that term generally. That makes sense. The way that tenant farming worked was the landlord received one third of the grain crop and one quarter of the cotton produced, while the tenant had to provide most of their own equipment and animals. Mm. So basically, it was a system designed to keep tenant farmers in poverty. It was extremely hard to get out of that cycle because it was really hard to make any profit. Right, right. The TLDR of how it all worked was that landlords would provide these one-year land contracts that were drawn up orally, so it wasn't even like a written-out thing. The farmers, as a result of these one-year land contracts, moved every year because the landlords would give them a worse offer the next year. And so the farmers would move because other people would come in to take that landlord's offer. So there was always demand for it. As a result, because they were only giving out one-year land contracts and farmers were moving every year, nobody was actually invested in the land. Everybody was just concerned about like either squeezing money out of the tenants or getting away from the pernicious landlords. It's so fascinating. And so everybody just mined the soil. They weren't actually like really cultivating it. And that is also what caused so much erosion of the soil. A lot of the tenants, as you kind of see in the movie, ended up being dis displaced by poverty, by drought, by exploitation, or by sinking prices of commodities and mechanization of farming. So even if they weren't forced to migrate because of the Dust Bowl, like if they escaped that, a lot of the time... The economy is what ha caused them to have to leave or the fact that their jobs were becoming obsolete because of machinery. Right. Over 200,000 farms had bank foreclosures. And this is what you see happen in the film is that mm. the, the bank seizes their land because they can't pay off the loan that they took out to buy the land in like the 20s, which a lot of people did because apparently the 20s was a very, quote, wet decade. <laughs> Do with that what you will. Um, and then the 30s was so drought riddled that the land became like pretty valueless. Over 500,000 people came to California in search of work, and approximately 2.5 million people left the Dust Bowl to go just elsewhere from it because it was that terrible. Route 66 was actually a direct route from Oklahoma to California, so they travel Route 66 in the film, and that is how people got from there oh, to there. that's so interesting. And there were, as you see in the movie, awful living and working conditions throughout the move and in California, and... There was this dream idealized version of what California was, which was like this prosperous land with so much fertile soil and so many jobs. And then when they got to California, they learned its reality, like all these migrants who were coming from the Dust Bowl 
and the Great Plains saw what California really was, which was like, a lot of it is desert. <laughs> I don't know if people knew this. And finally, about tenant farmers. This movie, of course, doesn't even mention black tenant farmers right. at all. And they were fully a group. <laughs> so after slavery, a lot of black people became sharecroppers or tenant farmers. And thousands of black Americans came to California from the Great Plains during the migration. Like they, they were also on Route 66 <laughs> going over there. So the fact that none of them are in this movie was like, all right, that was the 1940 intentionality, you know? Totally. Okay, finally, finally, I know. Oh, God. The novel slash film's impact on society, because it did have one. It captured the human experience of migrant farmers, which, as a result, captured the attention of the public. This was the novel that brought to the nation's eyes the issues that people were actually facing and the struggles that they were going through in that region of America and then coming to California. Steinbeck stated that he wrote the novel with the express intention of shaming those in power responsible for the misery of the Great Depression. And the last thing I'll say is that it did actually lead to effective change. First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt, upon reading the novel, called for congressional hearings, which led to reform in labor laws governing migrant camps. Wow. Which is pretty cool. Fantastic historical context. Thank you. There was just so much to... Honestly, I think this is a great one to have along historical context because this was sort of a retelling of this film in a more pleasant way for you, the listeners, than watching the film would be. Sorry, everybody. I need to go study up on my Steinbeck. We'll be right back. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations 
that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. I felt the way that you feel about most films where I was like, I'm not taking this in. I'm not, I'm barely <laughs> experiencing this. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. But it's funny because it wasn't, it wasn't the worst in some ways. I think that's the only way to describe it. It was like, <laughs> this wasn't the worst, like no boobs. No boobs. No. No boobs were seen. One thing I liked about this movie was that it, it was outside. <laughs> For a good amount of it, but that's kind of because, like, their, their, their barn gets literally, like, run over by a, a tractor. It gets tipped right over. Like, it's because they don't have homes, so yeah, that's kind of uncool. But, like, but the result of that is that, like, they're sort of, like, outdoors. Oh, Sienna. Which, as a visual experience, I was like, oh, okay. And they did do sort of those big sweeping shots of like yeah hillside man walking the sky there's probably a more reverent cinematic term for a road trip movie yeah i wrote down that this was a road trip movie as well okay we gotta look at each other's notes this is the segment phone notes in which we go through the notes that the other person took on their phone while watching this movie and come across some delightful little surprises (laughs) sienna i love that the first thing you wrote down was okay oklahoma (laughs) Get it? Yeah, I do. <laughs> okay, Oklahoma. <laughs> okay. The first thing you wrote is homicide. <laughs> do you remember this? I do. <laughs> this is when he's hitchhiking after getting back from jail. Yeah, Tom gets a ride from a truck back to his parents' house. The truck driver is clearly nervous, and Tom's like, why are you nervous? Do you think I did crime? And the guy's like, no, no, of course not. And then Tom gets out of the car, and he's like, guess what? I did crime. <laughs> And he says, like, do you want to know what I was in for? And then he says the word homicide in the weirdest acting choice I've seen so far on this list. Is that how they said it in the past? They say a lot of things so weird in these movies. And I like we just let it slide as if it was the past. Okay, you wrote, I can't baptize anyone. There's a drought. LOL. (laughs) Does he say that? No. (laughs) Then LOL. Yeah. (laughs) Ella was laughing at my own joke. <laughs> After hitchhiking back to his farm, old well, Tom, Tom comes across Casey, former preacher, now literal squatter. He squats wherever he is. <laughs> he was. <laughs> I don't think we have words for any of the characters in this film. They're impossible to describe. Casey was perhaps. My main takeaway from this film. I think he was the closest we get to a horse in this movie. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) You about the baptism wrote, he baptized him? There's no way. They are 100% the same age. 
That was insane to me. I guess preachers, you know, start them young. Yeah, they were both babies. <laughs> he sees Casey, this man Casey, who's... Yes, a, a squatter squatting. He lost the the spirit, the calling, the spirit or whatever, which is why he's no longer a, a preacher. Yeah, which by the way, Casey has decided not to be a preacher anymore. And he talks about it the whole film. <laughs> Did you notice people would be like, hey, Casey, do you know about this? And he'd be like, hey, I'm not a preacher anymore. And it's like, all right, Casey, we get it. We know. We're just asking. Like, <laughs> right. Like my my dad just died. Like, <laughs> please just be cool at this moment. I'm not a preacher anymore. <laughs> Stop. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Did you guys know I'm not a preacher anymore? That is true. There were a couple times that they needed a religious-ish man. And he was like, no. And they're like, there's no one else. It's us and like five babies. What are we supposed to do? We know you know. <laughs> oh, Sienna, I'm so glad you wrote this down. The name Jode is deeply funny. I couldn't believe how many times he said it in the film. And I couldn't believe no one said. Oh. <laughs> The first time I noticed the name Jode mm. was when it was on their mailbox. Mm -hmm. And it looks ridiculous. It's Toad with a J. J-O-A-D. Uh-huh. Jode. Jode. And what? they did. They kept saying it. And we we all know it sounds like Chode. Chode. And I'm not even sure I know what that is. But it's a funny, funny little word. Is it a ball sack? No, it's it's supposed to be a a, a manhood. <laughs> oh, it's a it's a penis. Poor Catholic girl. That's the same. <gasps> height as it is wide. I think in a way, the Grapes of Wrath was a penis that is the same height <laughs> as wit. This film is a chode. <laughs> the lines in this movie, yeah, just like saying Jode a lot, and you're like, ah, oh, are you saying chode? Like, they're kind of like, stop. No. There's like a lot of lines like that where you're like, what are you saying? St stop saying that at me. Mm -hmm. I honestly... Don't remember a single line that was said in this movie. I was so confused. I was like coming in and out of being aware of what was going on while watching it. It felt like I was being dust bold. <laughs> I couldn't see my own hand in front of my face, let alone the film. That is such a funny reading of this movie because it would also still be effective if it's like the the reason this is such an amazing film is because it makes you feel like you're in the dust bowl. <laughs> And I did. And that you can't really... I was like, ah. <laughs> yeah. I, you just feel stressed the whole time. I did feel like, ah, stop. Stop it. There's no reprieve. And I do think that was the intention. So I do think they did their job. Yeah. But, yeah. but uh, I don't want that in a movie experience. Uh, everybody in this film was haunted. It but was... unbelievably, none of them were hot. I was wondering about you for a lot of this, especially because the preacher's very tall and he long. He was very long. He was almost there, but then he <laughs> kept squatting and that was not high. That's the worst angle to see a butt from. We've talked about this. <laughs> yeah. We've talked in depth about how <laughs> squatting. So it's the worst way for a butt to be. <laughs> I died. I just laid me down to rest and expired. Can we talk about what everyone in this film who kept doing that? <laughs> They kept just being like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Guys, this movie's really sad. All right. But like, <laughs> it's, it's really sad. tragedy plus time. It's a really bad period of human history. <laughs> oh, no. But the grandpa. <laughs> he, oh, okay. Tom gets there and he's like, what's up, fam? I'm out of jail. And they're like, oh, my God, did you break out? And he's like, no, I was released on parole. Like, I'm legally allowed to be here. Like a boy. And then 
they're all like, we're losing our land. They're foreclosing on it. So we were packing up this absolutely insane truck. Huge. That should not be operative. And yet, Rickety never enormous. breaks down. <laughs> the morning that they're all supposed to depart in one truck, a hundred people <laughs> on so- one truck. The grandpa's like, you know what? Actually, I thought about it and I'm going to not go. And they're like, well, what are you going to do instead? And he's like, I'm just going to not go. And uh, they have to leave because their land is getting taken back by the bank. And so he ends up going with them. And he, you know, they get him really drunk first yeah. in order to get him into the truck and they lay him down. And then they pause for a little a little break and they're like, oh, he's like a little upset, whatever. His heart's like beating a little bit. And I was like, oh, I understand. It's a stressful trip. They stop the truck. They put out a little blanket. They put a pillow on the ground and they they carry him from the truck down to the ground. And I was like, oh, my God, how nice of them to be giving him a little place to nap. Like they're just they're stepping away for him to nap his hand sort of like flops off of his chest and he closes his eyes and I was like oh having a lovely nap <laughs> and then they cut to a grave has been dug yeah and deep. I said he died also that means they brought a lot of shovels <laughs> like they brought all their stuff most of oh, farming right. I think was shovels you, if you didn't have a machine you're so right Thanks. oh my gosh they were so equipped for the constant graves that they were gonna have to dig I think just two right I don't remember how many graves they they did I knew that grandma wasn't going to make it. <laughs> okay, y'all. We have a bit of a weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> a film I have not seen, but I know the premise. Grandma. <laughs> so they need to cross. This film is sad. It is sad. <laughs> they just keep <laughs> dropping. I want to just give a little moment for Ma. We love Ma. She was a woman in the film. We stand the backbone of the family. Yeah, yeah. So um, Ma was a real character. <laughs> Thank you, Ma, for carrying us through. But she... Um, I think she won the Oscar. Really? I think so. This was like a juicy role, I guess. <laughs> there, there was a time where she came on and I was just like, oh my God, thank God, a woman. Yes. Yeah. There's going to be a woman in this film. It's one of the main relationship characters. Mm-hmm. They cross which border... They cross in this maybe is California. going from Arizona into California. It is into California because, first of all, by the way, the grandma, when they were going to California, the grandma literally is like, I don't want to go to freaking California. Mm. Someone mentions California and she literally spits <laughs> out of disdain. She's like, California, <laughs> patooey. Patooey. <laughs> and then they cross over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and so does she. This movie is sad. Listeners, that was a very good joke by Liana because uh, Grandma does not make it. Mm -mm, But we don't know that for a little bit. So they get stopped at the border between the two states and a patrol officer is like, do you have any fruits or vegetables, whatever the (laughs) fuck? And they're like, please, we got to keep moving because we have someone who's very, very ill on board. And he goes around to look in the car. And Ma is sitting there with a visibly dead Grandma. <laughs> on her lap, she's like, "See, she's sick. <laughs> she's See? unwell." <laughs> and then the the paro- the patrol the patrolman shine a light on her, mm-hmm. and, and he's like, "Oh, I see." This was extremely funny to me. They shine a bright flashlight onto this still woman, <laughs> and they go, "Oh, she is sick." <laughs> I've never, I haven't seen a corpse myself in person, but I saw that and I was like, "That's a corpse." <laughs> Also, to just perceive someone so still and be like, that means she's sick. I think maybe that's just why women kept dying at the hands of doctors. They were like, oh, no, she's just very still. She's, she's very, fine. 
When women are sick, they're still <laughs> they're very, very still. They for a complain long time. a lot. They complain a lot until they become still. <laughs> it's all part of the sickness. <laughs> they're very hysterical or they're still. Okay, and then the next day, Tom is like, hey, what's going on, Ma? Like, how's Grandma? And she's like, the best line, The best line of the film. <gasps> Please say it. Three. Wait, I don't know it. You were about to say it. Oh. Uh, One, two, two three. three. Grandma's dead. <laughs> oh. You didn't say it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. The funniest thing is that Ma comes out of the car and they're all like, look, it's California. There's green land, blah, blah, blah. And Tom is like, hey, Ma. And Ma does not lead with Grandma's dead. No, exactly. She just interacts with Tom for a few sentences. And then he's like, how's Grandma? And she says, Grandma's dead. It's so spooky. It's like, okay, Mom. Like, Wait, when were you going to tell me that? If I hadn't asked, would you just... Would you, would you, also, she knew from the night before, like, she's just been chilling with grandma on her lap and didn't feel like mentioning to anybody. She's like, like, well, okay. And this is where until they I, ask. I sympathize with this because I have driven a route very, very similar to the one that they drive in this film, having driven from Colorado to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And there is a 100 mile stretch of highway where there are no rest stops or gas stations oh. or anything. And it is through the desert. Gosh. And I've done that a couple times now. And every single time I'm like, I say what Ma says. I'm like, we have to get through. <laughs> we just have to get through. And so she didn't want to hold up the car because she was, the car is, y'all, this vehicle does not look like it is going to last two minutes on the road. And yet somehow it makes it from Oklahoma to California, which is like a huge plot hole of the film. That's but true. Because it's of so- that, Ma is like, we can't tell anybody that grandma's dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I also thought was just very funny and insane is that she's like, well, at least Grandma died in California. Yes! I'm the like, state she didn't want to go to. Grandma hated California. <laughs> she spat at it when it was discussed. She spat into it and then got there and died. She made herself die before she arrived. <laughs> she said, no, no, I don't want to see it. And that's, in that way, good for Grandma, because she openly hated that place. Let's not rewrite her history now. Yeah. <laughs> She's always wanted to be here. Oh, my God. Here are just some general film notes from Liana about this. The energy of this film is dot, 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 extremely cursed. It's so cursed. Which is very accurate. This is a film about how stressful moving is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You're you're completely right, though. Having done the loading up of a vehicle, the worrying about getting across the desert, and the arriving in California and being like, oh, this is it? (laughs) I get it. Okay, Liana says, a dog, smiley face. A dog. Where's this? There were multiple dogs in this film. Were they all pretty hungry? <laughs> no, they were just bopping around being dogs. Oh. It was great. They were not tragic, unlike every other living member of this film. <laughs> Pardon me while I load a third mattress onto this already overcrowded truck. We'll be right back. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes. I guess identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Let's talk about the murder. You said here, oops, Tom did murder again. (laughs) He just can't help it. And can you really kill someone with one solid thump? And I'm going to be honest, Liana, I forget this. What? (laughs) You're going to have to remind me. No way. I don't know how I missed, how I'm not remembering a murder. Sienna, the whole point of this movie was that he already did murder, so he really shouldn't do murder again. And then he does murder. Which murder is this? This is the only one you see on screen. Okay, so this is, they're at the... This is so embarrassing. Go on. Okay, they've gotten to the first series of shacks where they're getting paid five cents a crate to box peaches. Right. And he wants to go for a walk at night. And the guard is like, you can't. And he's like, okay, I'll just turn around. And then he sneaks around and goes down for a walk by the river. And then he runs into Casey, Casey. the horse boy. Yeah. And they're under a tent being like, we're going to start a union. We're going to help like workers' rights. Hell yeah. Yeah. But then they all get found by, right. I guess, the cops. And they're all in the river. And Tom thumps a guy. And he dies. Oh, my gosh. Did you see Casey die? Did I see Casey die? Mm-hmm. Because it's in that same scene. I guess not. I think two boys get thumped to death. And I was like, wait, what? 
because the first one happens and I sort of missed that one. And but because of that one, because Casey gets thumped, yeah. Tom then is like, I got to do murder. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> and he thumps a guy. And that's how he gets his cheek thing. And that's how he and then he gets thumped <laughs> as well, but lighter. So he doesn't he doesn't get fatally thumped. <laughs> I think this is the one time I really looked away and like the most important time. I looked away during a montage, but it was the montage where they were just, well, I don't know, but they were on the road. So I was like, whatever. Yeah. But this was the key, arguably the climax of the film. (laughs) Oops. This man with red hair, you ask? Where did he come from? Which man is this? Was he there the whole time? This was... Oh, yeah. They're like, he's like with them. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. The one who's like, I'm going to try to get with a lady. Yeah. As a redheaded human, I am very attuned to when other redheads are around. Yeah. I'm like, does anybody need sunscreen? And... I got really confused by the truck because there were like 10 people in it and two of them died. And I was like, okay, I feel like I'm sort of keeping track of everybody else. And then one of them sort of shot a cop and then the other one had to like run off and whatever. And then one of them got thumped. But then by the end, there was a member of the Brat Pack who I had not seen until the last place they all live when he's going around trying to get women to dance with him. And I was like, where did he come from? Where was he sitting in the truck? Are you a brother? Are you a nephew? Are you who a- is that? Because he wasn't the husband of the pregnant woman. No. Because that who, guy left. Who left off screen. She's like, I'm so sad he's gone. I'm like, when did he go? And he went after he was like, listen, I I wish I wasn't here. And she's he, like, it'll be okay. Next thing you know, he's gone. Do you want to hear? I'm so glad you said the word off screen. Guess who directed this film? <gasps> John Ford. Who also directed The Searchers. In which everything important happened off screen. They're like, this guy's great at filming sand and (laughs) dust. (laughs) We gotta get him. Sienna, and thank you for writing this down. You've written, Liana, there are more children in this movie than there are in friggin' Annie. How do you feel? Sienna, I'll tell you, I felt bad. I felt very negatively. (laughs) There are so many child actors. (gasps) About. And some of them were doing child acting, which is the worst kind of acting to have to watch. Who was your least favorite? The boy who broke the shower immediately. (laughs) You did right. This kid broke the shower immediately? (laughs) I don't remember that. Please tell me. This is when there's two kids in the car, as well as a woman with child. The two kids, who I think are Tom's niece and nephew. Yeah, who's sibling? Who's Is it the redhead? I don't know. Who are their parents? I do not know. Wow. Anyway, when they get to the neighborhood that seems like, oh my gosh, everything's wonderful and better now that the Department of Agriculture runs, the girl is like, boy, (laughs) my brother, brother, (laughs) sibling, I found something. I got to show you. And they run and see uh, a bathroom that has like sinks and a toilet, like indoor plumbing, essentially, which they've not seen before. And then she's like, look at this. It's a shower. And once again, off screen. The boy goes and does something and you hear water and they're like, you broke it. (laughs) And then they run away when they're living at the Department of Agriculture. He wrote, I love these horny queens squatting outside of their respective tents waiting for attention. I loved those women. This redheaded guy who's going around, he's like, I'm looking for ass. Because they have a dance every Saturday in this neighborhood. Right. I'm looking for ass. He just wants to throw ass with someone. I'm Jonesin for some some ass. I'm Jodin for Oh Jode. Chode. I'm Joden for Chode. I'm a Chode Jode looking for a broad. Did you get it? Broad, broad. Very good. Thanks. These women 
when the dance is going on, he's looking for hunting for a date. And there's just a few women who are outside, like literally one of them is like gripping on. What was to she the, up to? to? I thought the, she was stretching out her back. Yeah. Would you call that like the pole? The pole or something? The pole that's holding their tent up. Yeah, I think a tent pole. Tent pole. <laughs> yeah. A tent pole, maybe. She's gripping onto the tent pole. And just like sort of swinging around. Like, you know, when you have a knot in your back and you're trying to sort it out, you have scoliosis. I do. And <laughs> but when you're trying to fix your scoliosis yeah. and you're leaning and you're trying to stretch it in whatever way to get your back to crack, that's what I thought she was doing. That's not going to get you a man. Well, it did. I'm so sorry. I've just seen your note. Another one bites the dust. <laughs> ah. <laughs> oh what a film i have a quick very short segment you could call it which is just the the sexual innuendos mm -hmm. that slap you in the face oh. in this film very sexual line number one is when muley when they arrive to the joe home of joe <laughs> and <laughs> muley is there and they all accept that um mm -hmm. mouse boy he says it's because they're kicking everybody off their land i found but he says Everybody's getting off. Everybody except me. I'm not getting off. Oh, I remember that. And he says it so aggressively, and I'm like, are we? Is he? Is this, what are we? What is this? Oh my god. Sexual line number two. I sure would like to see them man bones. Okay, here's what's wrong with me. A child said that line, and I said, you and me both, kid. <laughs> 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 Sexual line number three. The final lines that Ma says, where she's like, well, men jerk and women flow. She was talking about menstruation, and I am convinced. She was like, guys love jerking off. Literally. And oh, oh. girls get their periods. <laughs> That's the end of the movie. And then it ends, and you're like, why? <laughs> and we're the people. <laughs> we're the people. We're the people who jerk off and get our periods. Oh, those are the great. <laughs> okay. Oh, let's move on. Let us move let's on. Let's move on to our segment, Badges and Tragedies, where we award a badge for things that we think the film did well. And Tragedies, the family name Jode. Come on. Oh. I have a badge for a truck that says Oklahoma City. This was nearly as perfect as a title card that says what city and what year we are in in a film. But right at the beginning, there's a big truck that says Oklahoma City. And I was like, OK, we're probably in Oklahoma. I got a big badge for Ma's Widow's Peak. It was strong. It was strong. Mm -hmm. it, get, it kept getting stronger. Yeah. Very defined point. I just I just got to give props for that. I have a badge for then who do we shoot? <laughs> This was when somebody was finding out that their land was getting taken. And they were like, I will shoot you. And the guy was like, if you shoot me, they're just going to send somebody else tomorrow. And the guy was like, who's in charge? And the guy was like, not me. Kind of the banks, kind of the government, kind of nobody. And so it was a question of who's at fault for all of this suffering. Mm -hmm. But phrased as, then who do we shoot? <laughs> I got a badge for outdoor scenes. Again, it's outdoors for very tragic reasons. But mm -hmm. when they were outside, I was like, this is nice. <laughs> I guess it was women outside because I'm just thinking about when Ma was like, you know, in the fresh air because they were always women stuck in the, the house. Air. Yeah. OK. Yeah. I'll change it to a woman outdoors. 
it's nice to see a lady getting some fresh air. <laughs> I got a badge for being unloaded from a car directly into a bed for a nap. Okay, so this was right before it then became a trash. Right. Because I yeah. thought it was a nap. It turned out it was the longest nap of all. I got a, a badge for a huge truck. Their truck was so big. So big. I have a badge for Colorado River representation. I noted that for you. Thank mm-hmm. you. I have a badge for a nice moment in a diner. I have a badge for teeny tiny bow ties. <laughs> I did not see that. These are the two boys at the gas station, I think in California or somewhere, and they're filling up the car. And this is like the middle of the night. Oh, it's when they're about to cross the desert. And they're in full white clothes and the teeniest little bow tie. And I thought those boys were actually a little bit hot. They were a little bit hot. Mm-hmm. I do remember them. Yep. Because they were the one part of the movie where you're like, it's a little oh. bit hot. Yeah, a little bit hot. Oh, I have a badge for, a true badge for sad. Like, it achieved, as you were saying, it achieves this level of sadness and desperation. Yeah. And it, like... Desperation. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That is exactly the amount of real... And funny that this movie is. <laughs> badge for saying to children, go on now, get. A uh, badge for a baby in a hard papoose. In a what? A hard papoose. A hard papoose? What is there, a soft papoose? I have a badge for punching a cop. <laughs> and my final badge is related, which is badge for the cops are the bad guys and should not be, cannot be trusted because mm-hmm. they were very clearly out policing poor people rather than actually, quote unquote, serving and protecting. Right. This movie was about protecting poor people. And for that reason, you know, good job. Yeah, definitely. Um, Oh, yeah. And an overall badge for like helping society. Yeah. Workers' rights. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, My final badge is a a badge for, this isn't something I liked. It's just giving props. The longest neck of any character thus far. Is that Casey? Yep. Yeah. The preacher. Long neck. Very long boy. If he hadn't squatted so much, he'd be even longer. Oh my gosh. Trages? Trages. I have one trage because the whole film was the other one. I also, I have two. Okay, great. What's your first one? My first one is, I feel mean, but I couldn't stand Casey the Preacher. Yeah. I didn't like being around him. Do you think it's because he wasn't Catholic? Yeah. It's for persecution reasons. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just, he had a weird face. I'm sorry. He was quite long. I have a trage for children singing. <laughs> Even worse than children acting is children singing. And they worked that into this movie as well. I have a trage. And this isn't really, I need a better word than this. Because my trage was boring. It's very draining. It's draining. It's draining. It's, what is the word that they use for Dehydrating? It? No. Eroding? It is. Oh, I, I remember the word, actually. Eroding? But you can do more if you want. Because of the topsoil during the Dust Bowl? The word that they used for it all the time in class is plodding. It's plodding. Yeah. And good job. You achieved that. Okay, perfect. Let's plod right into our next segment. How to pretend you've seen this film and or read this book. This is for You Are In Class. No. You are Sienna Maria Jekyll. No. <laughs> and it is time for discussion section. I'm sweating. And your TA, whose name is Jode, is bringing up the Grapes of Wrath. To be clear, he is a film bro as well. A film broad? Come on, it writes itself. Here are a few sentences you can say to pretend you've seen the Grapes of Wrath. Yeah, Jode, uh, I really appreciate that this story is a portrait of 1930s America. A love letter. Mm. (laughs) And that's where I lose them. 
That's where in class they're like, did you read the animal? <gasps> and then I run to the bathroom. I go, I'm getting my period. And yeah. I run to the bathroom. You just have to say the word disillusionment. And they're like, <laughs> yes. Jode, it seems like Steinbeck is a bit disillusioned with 1930s America. Mm. Jode, length by width. What are we talking? <laughs> I think you'd be arrested. <laughs> oh, Jode, the emotion in this movie. Sad. <laughs> All right, everybody. Next up is a little segment to save you time. time. That's why we have this segment called Should You Watch This Or? In which we let you know if this is a film worth watching or if you should spend that time doing something else with your time. Liana, how, where do you fall as a history lover? I would say feel free to Google image the Dust Bowl. It is spooky. Um, I don't think you need to watch this film. Sienna is Googly imaging the Dust Bowl. Oh, I'm so excited to watch you react to this. Dust Bowl. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Holy crap. I really, really wanted to give you a PowerPoint during the historical context. Okay, here's what you should do instead of watching The Grapes of Wrath. This is terrifying. You should make a PowerPoint about the Dust Bowl and present it to your friends. Sienna, what would you say? I would say, this reminded me of another movie I watched, but this is one that's like an Oscar nom sort of film, but... This film was an Oscar nom as well. Oh, oh. I mean, that's what I mean. It's like a this one that I'm talking about is one of those awesome movies you're supposed to see from today. Okay. And I, those are all the movies I hate. Uh-huh. But um, have you seen Nomadland? No. <laughs> Directed by a woman. Frances McDormand. Frances McDormand. Was this the one it? that a woman won the Oscar for? Yeah. Uh, Chloe Zhao? Yeah. Well, yeah. So you know everything. I know everything about it. <laughs> I liked it. And you know why? I think it's probably because there was a woman outdoors. Yeah. But it's actually, I could see somebody, I'm sure they've done comparisons to it or a film mm. bro being like, it's the modern grapes of wrath mm. in some ways, because it is a film about trying to find work instead of in the Great Depression. It's the Great Recession, <laughs> shortly after the Great Recession. Um, but it's Frances McDormand being awesome. And this is a movie... That I liked. And this is one that I feel like film bros probably like, but this is one that I enjoyed. So they can't have it. Yeah. Trying to tell a similar story of America, but in the modern day. And wow. It was good. Great I like comparison, it. Sienna. Thank you. Damn. American studies professors, please listen to this part and this part only. Yeah, they, they've definitely made it this far in this episode. <laughs> after you started with predicting the wrong book. And not well. <laughs> Liana, what would you rate this film? Uh, I'm going to give this movie... 1.5 grapes, yeah. which is more than there were in the film, out of five. And I think Ma did a good performance. Mm -hmm. And I think I think it's cool that it had a social impact, that it plus the novel yeah. actually brought attention to people who were suffering and that uh, affected change. I would give this film a one out of five wraths. <laughs> to match you i love that yeah <laughs> they do show the history like i did yeah. i followed that i wasn't mm. like what's going on you know mm -hmm. it's like okay so they oh. all got flyers and things that's yeah. interesting and cops being the bad guys as well as like big government and big mm -hmm. corporations i was mm -hmm. like yeah and ma does a lot it's more just like keeps going i <laughs> that and that is her final monologue it keeps flowing <laughs> keep Women get their periods forever. And we're the people. Wow, we did Grapes of Wrath. Oof. <laughs> sure, sure did. <laughs>
Guys, you really need to Google pictures of the Dust Bowl. It's insane. Y'all, it was a bonkers time. Don't overtill your land. Do not overtill your land. Shit. Do not do it. Thank you everyone so much for listening. This has been Tossed Popcorn's episode on the grapes of wrath. We are all over social media at Tossed Popcorn, Twitter, Instagram, Clash, TikTok. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate us five stars and tune in next week when we will be watching E.T. Phone home. Phone home. Eva. Oh, no, that's Wally. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. We love you. Bye. Bye. You can find us on Instagram as at Sienna Jekyll and at Liana Holston. Please check the description for the spelling of our dumb names. We put out episodes every Tuesday, so make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. See you next week on Tossed Popcorn. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check the iHeartRadio app. Okay, wait, actually, one important thing that Liana did write is, where are the grapes? Where are the... (laughs) From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into exactly. what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, right. which is different than empathy, yeah. right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.